Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Do you adore Jesus? Well, that wasn't good enough. Do you adore Jesus? Has he been adorable to you in your life? We don't use that word often to describe adults, but the Lord is worthy of our adoration. Amen? Amen. I told you, we're in a series called Come, Let Us Adore Him, which will bring us up to Christmas. And I've, I challenged us last week to, to gossip about Jesus in our daily lives. And because that word adore, ad orare, that's, that's where the Latin term comes from. And it means to, to speak, to add words. Like it's not, an adoration has to come out of your mouth. Uh, and so our challenge is, is to spend time gossiping about the Lord. And the week of Christmas, I want to fill the service with testimonies of his goodness, testimonies of, of, of how, uh, whatever the Lord's doing, at times you've adored him, and each week leading up to it, I want to have some of those as well. And so I've asked Pastor John to come and get us started today with a testimony, and so I'm going to let him come up. Good morning, everybody. I was reminded of Psalms 37:25. I was young, and now I'm old. Easy. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And the reason why I was reminded of that this week is because there was a time in our life, my wife and I and my family were in Alabama, Trustville, Alabama. And it was a time in our life where we were, it was a tough time. We were walking through some things. And I continued to get up every day thinking, oh, it's going to be one of those days. Anybody ever done that? It's going to be one of those days. And then all of a sudden, as I was sleeping, I was woken up, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon me, and all the, the things we were walking through and the things that we were going through just began to not matter anymore, where I felt this, over, this sense of desire to just lay before the Lord, and I got on the carpet, and I laid out before God. And I began to worship. I began to adore. I began to sing praises. I began, and all of a sudden, I, 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 those other things did not matter. And I was there for a long time. And as a result of just praising him, as a result of just adoring him, I began to come up from that, not just changed, but transformed in the way I walked, in the way I talked. I started getting up in the morning saying, today is the day that the Lord hath made. Even though I knew that verse ever since I was a little kid, it became new meaning to me because I spent time adoring my Jesus. I spent time worshiping him. And I began, I, I remember being laid out before the Lord and just weeping and just, and just before him, just enjoying his presence and worshiping him and telling him how much I loved him and telling him how much he meant to me. And you know what? Transformation came in my life. And I've never been the same as a result of that time. And I begin to uh, adore him every day. I make sure I get up and I worship him. And as Pastor Andy said, to adore is also to brag. I, I mean, there ain't a time in my, li in my life now that I don't have the opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. Last night, I just, I brought, sorry, I just, I, just, I brought somebody out. 
and I put him in the hallway, and I, get, and I said, the Lord has a word for you, and I begin to share with this person about Jesus and who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do in him, even though he finds himself in a situation where he's confined, but yet just worship him, adore him, and watch God just change the situation around to work because he still has a plan. And you know what? Another time in my life, you know, when, he, when Pastor Andy asked us to talk about this last week, I'm like, I can't remember a specific time. And all of a sudden, they're just flooding. They're just flooding. But I remember a time. And the reason this is important, because we found ourselves again in Linden a few years later in a situation. And I was getting caught up. And then all of a sudden, I just repented and said, God, I just started worshiping him. I just started worshiping him. And you know what? <laughs> well, I worshiped him for a long time, and I just began to just weep in the presence of the Lord and felt the beauty of his presence. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? And you know what? God provided. God provided. And so I've learned not to look at the flesh, but to begin to look through the spiritual eyes of Jesus and what that means is that's always going to lead you to worshiping him. That's always going to lead you to adoring him. That's always going to lead you to talking about him because he is good. Boy, give a pastor a mic and he takes it. <laughs> these, these moments, these testimonies, folks, I love what you said, Pastor John. He's like, when I was first asked, I couldn't remember. And then they start flooding back as I start to talk and think about them. This is why it is so vital for you to continually testify. Amen. Otherwise, it, it goes into like this memory bank where you never, never consider it. Here's a great Christmas word for you, Ebenezer right? Ebenezer Scrooge. It comes from the Bible. It's an Ebenezer stone. And what they did is they set up a testimony of an Ebenezer stone. And they said, the Lord has so far, he's brought us safely. And this is what they would do all over in the Old Testament. They would set up these monuments called testimonies. And they would say, this is when you, when your kids see this, tell them this story. Amen. We got to get back to testifying. We got to get back to bragging on God because it is so easy. I was having a great conversation with an old, old friend of mine yesterday, and we were talking about, he's, he's way younger than me, by the way, but, uh, but we were talking about what are these anchor moments that, like, I could never budge from that. God has been so good. Like, I, I realize that there are other, there's these times where I feel so confused, and Lord, I don't get it. Why didn't you come through here? It seems like all hope was lost. But I have these moments throughout my life called testimonies where I'm like, I can look back and I'm like, I can never budge from that because he's so good. And so my, my request is we, is we testify this Christmas. And I want to, not just in church, but I also want to do it in church, but do it in your daily life. Testify. Give the Lord the gift of testimony this year. And then on that Sunday, oh, I, I, oh please, we, we, we can record it for you. Send recordings in. It's going to be fantastic. We are going to adore our Savior. He's so good. Amen? All right, let's pray, and we're going to jump into the Word here in a second. Father, we love you. We adore you. Father, and I just pray that we would use our words as well as our hearts. Father, that, that we would become those worshipers that worship in spirit and in truth. 
Father, that we don't remain silent for such a time as this because it's the time in which you've called us to be the witnesses in the light of the world. And so, Father, as we turn to your word, we adore you, we bow before you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So you might have noticed that this year, this Christmas season, we have really become a very wreath-centric church, and that's on purpose. Um, I, I asked Brittany, I cast my vision, can you get a wreath, and let's, let's come let us adore him. And here's why. I'll tell you what the wreath is all about. The wreath isn't something that we invented for Christmas. It's not something that was invented in the last 2,000 years. The wreath has a very very rich and deep history behind it. It comes from, from ancient Greece and Rome, and these were crowns that people would wear. Uh, in fact, uh, the, the, the best one was the laurel crown. This is what they would award you when you were an Olympic champion, right? And so as you walked around, you wore the laurel crown, and people knew you were a champion. But they had other wreaths as well that, that, that signified your occupation, your rank, your achievements, status. Uh, and, and yes, in the Olympic Games, when you, would, when you would run and you would win, you'd get that crown of victory, this laurel Crown, And this is also the very same imagery that Jesus picked when he said, go and preach the gospel. The euangelion, that's the Greek word for good news, right? When, when, when the soldiers would win a battle, they would crown an evangelist, a euangelion uh, champion, to run from town to town and yell euangelion, and they put the crown of laurel on his head signifying victory, victory. And so when Jesus rose from the grave and as he was ascending and he said, go into all the world and preach the euangelion, the good news, he was crowning you Amen. with laurel. And so we took these crowns, we, we began to, we took this, this symbol of Christmas, the wreath, it was a crown. Now, it was a sign of victory. You would hang it, you hang it on your front doorpost signifying Jesus is victorious. So it's so much more than a pretty piece of, of fern, uh, and, and it wasn't always just fern leaves. They just happened to be the green ones around uh, Christmas time. But, uh, but here's what I want to talk to you about today. You cannot adore Jesus without humility. I want to talk to us today about humility. Humility. You see, as I said before, when Jesus ascended and he gave us that crown of laurel, he's, the Bible talks about all sorts of crowns that he, he gives us, right? In fact, Stephanie, would you bring me my crown today? I think it would just be fitting um, that I wore this for a while for all of you. Thank you. Thank you. There we go. <laughs> The, the Bible talks about, in, in several places, this crown of glory that we receive, we, we, we're told about the crown of righteousness that, we are, that is placed upon us. The crown, he crowns us with love and compassion. He crowns us with life. All of these things that Jesus is crowning us with as his sons and daughters, as his heirs. And it's enough to make you start, start going to your head a little bit. I came in this morning uh, wearing this crown, and, and I, I started to sing, and he will reign forever, and the lightning struck me to the ground. Actually, Bo looked at me, he's like, uh-uh, no. <laughs> no. But here's the deal, the Lord crowns us 
with all sorts of goodness, with righteousness, with glory and compassion and all these things and favor. And we start to walk, oh my goodness, I'm a child of God. I can't believe it. And if you're not careful, it can go to your head a little bit. Because we also get this beautiful picture in the book of Revelation. Revelation 4, chapter 10 through 11. These are the elders in heaven. I don't know why heaven needs elders, but it's got them, all right? These are the, these are the saints. And, and it says this, 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. This is Jesus. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before him. And they say, worthy our Lord God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. (laughs) It's like the Lord's crowning us with righteousness, with glory, with beauty, with life, with all of these things. And and, and, And we are called to them, we lay them down. It's like, it's from you. All glory belongs to you, Lord. Not that I deny that this crown exists, but that I realize from whom it comes. The person who crowns is more powerful than the one who becomes crowned. You would have no crown unless the Lord gave it to you. And this is something we have to remind ourselves in humility. All of our victories, all of our, all of the amazing things that we've talked, that you walked through, these, these testimonies, even the, the, the great talents and abilities that you have, if I don't have a deep sense of understanding from whom they came, I'm going to be in a little bit of trouble. Humility isn't a, isn't a denying that, that this amazing thing exists, Right? I'm crowned with righteousness. I'm crowned with favor. I'm crowned with glory. I'm crowned with life. I can't deny that, and to deny it would be a lie. That's false humility. Oh, I'm nothing. No, you're something. But you're only something because of the source. The source matters. And so I bow to the source, and I lay it down, saying, Father, it's, it's, it's because of you. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. All my victories, all of my crowns laid down before him. And here's the issue. Here's the issue, because 1 Corinthians 13.4 says this. It's talking, it's, love is patient, love is kind, it does not boast, it is not proud or arrogant. I need to talk to you a second about this word proud. This word proud or arrogance, and this is the one, I use this when I'm talking to, to couples that are getting married about love is, love is not proud, it is not arrogant. That word proud in the scripture, that word literally means to make something natural. Let me rephrase that. The word proud and arrogant in that context, in the Greek, it means to make something natural. What am I doing? I'm denying the supernatural source from where it came. Folks, in marriage, if you think you can do this on your own and you can love perfectly on your own, that is arrogance in its highest form. Arrogance denies the supernatural aspect of what's going on here. I win the race, and I'm like, I'm so amazing. No, 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 no. There's a supernatural source that made you that way, that that, uh, continued to keep you in health, that continued to help you have that drive to push and work and, and get there. Like, there's a supernatural When I become proud or arrogant, 
I'm denying the supernatural aspect of God in my life. And here's the hard thing, and here's the dangerous thing. Proverbs 16.5 says this, The Lord detests the proud of heart. The Lord detests the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. In fact, the New King James says, everyone that is proud of heart is an abomination to God. I'm not talking about being, oh, I'm really proud of my accomplishments. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm denying the supernatural source and I think I'm something so amazing and I'm not looking, oh my goodness, the one that crowned me is more powerful. And here's the, here's the thing, the quickest way to have God fight against you is to be proud of heart, yeah. is to not have a humility. It says he detests, he finds it disgusting. Parents, now maybe I'm the only one, but I had a real hard time changing my kids poopy diapers am i the only one okay i'll take it to the next level moms you're like that's that's so weak sauce quit being so proud first of all have you ever had to clean up vomit that's how i feel about poopy diapers all right it disgusts me literally you're like this the proud of heart, like the Lord loves you. I didn't, didn't, I didn't stop loving my kids, but the poop was disgusting. And when I looked upon it, it was like, oh, repulsive to me. Honestly, this is how the Lord feels about the arrogant and haughty and proud of heart that have not, that do not walk in humility before the Lord. He loves you, he loves you, but it's like, oh, ew. Folks, we gotta humble ourselves. We gotta take our crowns back off and lay them at our feet continually. Now, here's the thing, the elders in heaven, they put their crowns back on. Don't forget that. It says every time this happens, then they take the crowns off and they worship the Lord. So they're not denying the glory that God has given them. They're not denying the power. But when, when, he is, when, when the light is shown on him, they lay their crowns down and they're like, oh, it's to you, to you be the glory and power. Not to me, oh, Father, you are the source. And you will reign forever and ever. The best way to have God fight against you is to be arrogant and proud and haughty and not give humility its rightful place in your heart. You'll find yourself kicking against the goads. And our leader, our example, Christ Jesus, in Philippians 2, verse 3 through 8, a, so, a section you're probably very familiar with, he says, here's what we get. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others as more significant than yourselves. Ouch. Count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Amen. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. He does it again. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even on a cross. 
Folks, you see that little baby lying in a manger. That was humility. That was the God who created all things, bringing himself low to be with us, humbling himself. And then he did it again on the cross. He's like, you'd have no power unless unless I gave it to you, he told Pilate. And then we took him, we put him on the cross. We'd have no power to do that unless he allowed himself in humility because he loved you so much. Folks, the hallmark of a Christ follower isn't an arrogant railing, isn't isn't a, a powerful speech. It is a humble following and laying down of our lives for each other and for Christ Jesus. That's the hallmark. That's the telltale sign that you've been with Jesus. Because when you encounter, like Pastor John said, when you encounter the presence of the Lord, it's like, oh, I am undone. Woe to me. Like, I could be the, I, it, when you encounter the presence of God, you have a strong realization that you are not the source of anything wonderful. It all comes from the Lord. And in humility, as I serve him, I can accomplish amazing, wonderful things. Everything I have is due you, Father. Here's my Ebenezer Stone. You've brought me this far. This is our God. This is who we have. The best way to have God fighting against you is to maintain a proud and non-humble, non-contrite heart. You're going to find yourself banging your head against the wall. But the best way, the most efficient way, and the only way to have God fighting for you, fighting for your battles, is to humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. This is, this is straight out of 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time, he may exalt you. Amen. Have you been out trying to grab and demonstrate your crown to other people? Humble yourself. This is the way you get the Lord fighting your battles on your side. I can win the medal. I can do all of the. I can, I can win the election. I can do whatever. But if I can maintain a deep sense of humility and knowing who my source is, the Lord is fighting for me. I give him all the glory. That's the second verse of, of uh, the song, Come, Let Us Adore Him. I, we give him all the glory. We'll give him all the glory. We'll give him all the glory. Christ the Lord. We gotta give the glory back to him. <laughs> well, let's stop being glory hogs. We gotta, we gotta get back to humility. Back to humility, understanding who my source is. Who's the one that brought me safe this far? Who's the one that gave me what I have? Who's the one that enabled me to be where I am and who I am? It's him. And so I lay my crown humbly at your feet. Lord, I repent again. Forgive me. To you be the glory. To you be the glory. Arrogance has no place in a believer of Jesus Christ. Not that we walk around as losers and like, oh, I'm nothing. No, 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 that's not it. It's he's something special. Because of him, because of him. This is the mark. This is the mark. This is the way. A deep sense, folks, a deep sense that this glory belongs to someone else. And so when I get recognized, when I get the award, when I win the prize, when I win the race, it's not a matter of, oh, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. It's a matter of, wow, it's because of him that I've, become, I've come this far. 
And glory be to him, my Savior. He's been so good to me. This is the testimony. This is the way. Now, I want to say this as well. Arrogance, folks, because er- maybe you're like, I don't have a problem with arrogance. <laughs> That's arrogant to say. No, I'm kidding. But arrogance is not the only indicator of a lack of humility. That's one of them. Arrogance is not the only indicator of a lack of humility. Pay attention to this. Fear and anxiety are also telltale signs of a lack of humility. I'll say that again. Fear and anxiety are telltale signs of a lack of humility. Because we, we, we always think that the, the prideful, the arrogant are those who are like, hey, look at me, ain't I so great? But also the, oh, I'm so, oh, it's all going to fall apart. Oh, I'm so scared. Like That is the arrogance in its finest form. Let me explain. Let's just bring it into this. All the craziness. Oh, vaccines, elections, uh, p- pandemic, all of these things. Oh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. Here's the problem. If you're experiencing fear and anxiety, you've believed a lie that you're going to figure this one out. That you can, you're going to do something to solve it all. You understand that this is where fear and anxiety comes from. Because I feel like I'm gonna ha- I need to have the answer, and I'm going to have it all figured out, and I'll have it all. Like, and, so, and so when I don't, and I feel powerless, I'm like, oh, no. Great. That's where you should be. Do you want the peace that surpasses understanding? You're not going to understand it all. You don't have all the answers. Was the election rigged? I don't know, and you don't know. If it's giving you anxiety, you think you've got to have the answer. You, child of God, if you are truly in humility, you can have peace in any moment, in any storm. Even though it seems like everything's rigged against me and everything's falling apart, if I'm truly, oh, I'll give you all the glory, I know that you are the one on the throne. Oh, I can rest in that. I love you, Lord. I don't have to have the answer. I don't have to have it all figured out. I just need to come humbly before the one who does and trust. See, there it comes. Trust that though the world falls apart, he will not. That he's still my God. He's still good. I rest on those testimonies that I've walked through. And I'm like, even though, I'm, even though I feel like he's slaying me, even though I'll trust in him because my crown is laid down, I'm not the brightest brick on the block or whatever. But he is. And so, Father, I'll come humbly before you. I realize that these things that I'm feeling anxious and fear about are above my pay grade. I've done all that I can. And so I give it to you. And I just, Lord, I'm just going to say I trust you. And I'm going to take a deep breath and rest. Because I'm feeling really anxious and fearful right now. and, And I know that I can't figure this one out. So I'll give you all the glory. I will humble myself before you and trust that you do. That you're God, I'm not it. Nothing is out of your control. Listen, when I'm experiencing that fear and anxiety, it is arrogance. It is it's arrogance. Because what I what I'm thinking is that I'm something that can figure all of this out. And here's what the Lord says: fear the Lord only. Only fear the Lord. Well, what? That's that's right, because here's the thing: you, God, is out of your control but nothing's out of his control. 
Let me say that again. God is out of your control. He's out of control. I mean, he answers our prayers. He does all that. But he does a lot of stuff without your input. Because he's God. He's got a big master plan. He's amazing. He's got it all under control. So when I try, and when I experience fear and anxiety about these things that are out of my control, I'm saying they're also out of God's control, and he must not know what he's doing. And I invite you this morning to come. Let us adore him again. Oh, you're God. I'm not. Oh, that's right. I've done all that I can, and now I hold it like this. And Father... Take it away, give it back. Whatever you want, I trust you because I'm with you till the bitter end, till the good end, the sweet end. I'm powerless. He's out of your control. Fear him, but everything is under his control. Rest in him. And here, I love Psalms 2. Hopefully you've read Psalms 2 before. I love this picture, and I hope this helps you. Psalms 2, and I'm going to read verse 1 and skip to 4. It's kind of all in context, but it says this. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? Right? There's so much conspiracy floating around. It's like, the nations are conspiring. The people are plotting. Oh, the Quanon, whoever this is, it's all, oh, no. And here's what the Psalms 2 says. Why do the nations conspire and the people plot in vain? You skip down to 4, and it says this. The one enthroned in heaven laughs and scoffs at them. <laughs> like, imagine this. Imagine these secret, and I don't even, this, I'm not saying this is it happening, but imagine you got these secret world leaders or these secret governmental leaders, and they're like, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and these people aren't going to see it coming. <laughs> and the Lord's like, oh, that's a good one. As if you could do anything to get by me. That, that just kills me. Oh, my goodness. That slays me. You guys, oh, you guys are hilarious. I'm keeping you around. The one sitting on the throne laughs at them. When you think you can conspire and do all these, but why is it happening? He's laughing. He's in control. He knows what he's doing. Why not laugh along with him? How much more when I'm like, i got to figure this out. And I was like, oh, my child. That's really precious that you think you're going to figure all this out. I love you. You you make me laugh. (laughs) The one who sits on the throne laughs. And this is what I'm telling you. When you feel like there's all these things swirling around, the only thing you can do, you give it to the Lord and then you just laugh. Yeah. And then the peace car wouldn't start again. And so luckily, we had uh, her parents' car because they went to Arizona and they left their car at our house. And so she just took that one. She was out. And so I got up, got the kids ready for school, all of that. And I'm like, here's what I'll do. I will, uh, I will run down to the church here, because we had our, my old Ford Focus sitting here just waiting for Josiah to enjoy it. Uh, and so I, I ran from my house down here in the rain. I'm soaking wet, and I got, I got into the car. That battery's dead, too. And I, like, you know, the, the minute I, I, was, I was tempted, I'm like, oh, I should despair. And I'm like, I just started laughing. Okay, this is silly, right? This is silly. Uh, luckily, Zeb was here. He, he jumped my car. And I took it into the mechanic because I needed to get some things Figured out on that anyways before Josiah gets his license at the end of the month. Uh, and, then, and then Zeb took me back to the house. We jumped the other car. Life was good. Thursday rolls around. Wake up, Stephanie. Uh, the car is dead again. And so she takes her parents' car one more time. And I thought, okay, you know what I'm going to do? It's time for a brand new battery. That's great. So I got the battery taken out of the car. I'll try to speed this story up. Uh, I, I got the kids ready for school. Then Jillian and I put the battery in the Tahoe, 
and drove. We're going to go to Walmart, buy a new battery. And uh, we're playing a silly game, by the way, on the way, where uh, I said, maybe the Lord wants us to buy a Jeep Wrangler, Jilly. She's like, that's right. I think that's a word from the Lord, Dad. And so I, we're joking around. I'm like, all right, if we see five Jeep Rubicons, we'll know the Lord's speaking. This is our fleece. It's a joke. We're just having fun. We got to number four. This isn't a joke. Jilly claims it was five, but we got to number four, and my Tahoe smokes. It's, it's, it's steam. And, and we're, it just starts to blast out there. And, and I pull over to the side of the road, and, and I immediately get a text from the mechanic saying, here's all the things you need done on the, Tahoe, on the Ford Focus. Like a list a mile long. It's got one of those radars of here it's healthy and here it's just throw it away. It was way down in the red. I get, I'm not, this all time, it happened at the exact same time. I'm looking at this, the steam's flying out of the car, the battery's in the back dead. We went from three cars to zero cars, and I start laughing. And Chili says, Why are you laughing, Dad? <laughs> and, uh, and so, I, I try to, I find out there's a hose that broke and burst in, in the midair, and so I'm trying to fix that, can't get it off. I call my dad, praise the Lord for dads on rescue missions, and I said, you need to, can you come? Are you bored? <laughs> if you're not, come anyway. So he came, we, we looked at it again, we got the hose off, and I'm like, okay, let's go, go to uh, the auto supply store and see if they got another hose. Shut the Tahoe door, I get in the car, and I'm like, I just locked the keys in the Tahoe. I, and so then I have to make the phone call I've dreaded for the most. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> any chance you can come bring me, bring me the, the keys? What happened? Just please bring me the keys. She gets there. I don't make eye contact. I just take the keys. Anyway, long story short, we got, we got the battery. We got the car running. But all this to say, like, in this moment, it's like, if I'm going to despair because of all these things, out of my control, right? I got, there's nothing I can do about it except laugh. And arrogance loses their cool, loses their temper. This is, this is also a sign of a lack of humility, freaking out because of things that you think you can control. Understanding deeply that, oh God, you're God, I'm not. I'm putting this in your hands. I'm not saying I wasn't frustrated, right? And that's kind of a silly example. I realize things can seem a lot even bigger than that, than a car. Although in the moment, it seems like the end of the world, doesn't it? The one seated in the throne laughs. You think you could figure this one out? Oh, you want a Wrangler, do you? No, he didn't do that. But I want to say this. If you can cast your crowns before the Lord when things are good, when I win the race, when, when I win that championship, when everybody's bragging about me and saying great things, if I can cast my, my crown at the Lord in those moments... In the moments of despair and gloom, I'll already be able to do that. I know how to do that. I'll stress less. And so we need to be people who come and adore the Lord, lay our crowns before him in humility. Amen?